Chapter Six of Overruled by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. Poor Jack. There is something very sad about this review of the relation between brother and sister. One cannot help thinking how much they might have been to each other had either or both been different. Had there been less disparity in their ages, matters might not have been so bad but there was a period in ralph bramlett's life during which his sister distinctly ruled over him not always with a gentle hand she loved him after a manner which he did not and perhaps never would understand but she made him constantly remember that he was subject to her shy and timid with other people her native energy took the form of aggressiveness with him and her authority kept that of his gentler mother's in the background then suddenly as it seemed to hannah there had come a great change ralph escaped her and went out into the schoolboy world and grew tall and strong and threw off utterly the yoke of subjection had he been the sort of boy he might have been the sort of which there are a very few in the world and allowed his dawning manhood to assume a protective form and clung to his sister taking her with him on occasion into his new world telling her about it in a confidential way he might have done with her almost as he would her nature and her love were such that they could have changed relations and he would have been accepted as the guide and mentor hannah herself when she began to realize the change in him had for a time a dim sense of this possibility she began timidly to question him concerning matters in which he had evidently outstripped her what did people say about thus and so what was the accepted idea concerning this or that matter but he had failed to recognize his opportunity he had laughed at her questions scoffed at her scruples sneered into worthlessness all plans of hers and counted her out of his engagements as a matter of course not because he meant to be unbrotherly but because the four years of difference in their ages seemed to him a great gulf when he was eleven and hannah was fifteen he had looked upon her as a woman when he became of age and she was twenty-five she seemed to him to have grown into an old woman or at least a middle-aged one who must of necessity be separated from his life outside the home hannah had accepted the repulsion and returned promptly to her character of elder sister and fault-finder a certain sense of soreness connected with this experience caused her to find fault so sharply and continually that at last he told her in frank not to say rough language that she was hereafter to attend to her own business and allow him to attend to his so they lived their different lives even when of the same household probably ralph would at any time have been astonished had he known how strong almost to fierceness was the current of love which flowed through his sister's heart for him but he would have been equally astonished had one told him that his conduct to his sister was at any time unbrotherly meantime hannah having quietly given up certain ambitions which she had had for herself and of which no one dreamed had centred all her hopes and expectations on her brother and in a hundred ways he had disappointed her he was to have been a scholar a lawyer a great man 
one to whom hundreds should look for counsel, for help, for guidance. Instead, he had become a bookkeeper in a distillery. This in itself was bitter enough. There had been a few months of prospective comfort for her, because she had rested her soul on the belief that Ralph would eventually marry Marjorie Edmonds, and once married to her, all that was wrong about him would in some mysterious manner fall away, and he would be all that he could and should be. For Hannah Bramlett, although she had no intimate friends, had one idol. Ever since she could remember, she had looked up to, and felt a sort of reverent admiration for, Marjorie Edmonds. In her secret heart she had called her sister, and reveled in the thought of what it would be to be able to call her that before all the world. My sister Marjorie says, she would sometimes begin in clear tones, when quite alone, and a happy glow would spread over her face at the thought of the strong, wise words which that sister Marjorie would speak, and of how sure they would be to win respect. Hannah herself, with her curious mixture of timidity and positiveness, which are sometimes found together in suppressed natures, had never been able, outside of her own very small world, to express herself with firmness, yet gloried in the freedom of speech and gracious leadership which characterized Marjorie, and clung to her with a daily increasing intensity of love and a gloating sense of possession in prospect. And then suddenly had come that crushing disappointment. Instead of Marjorie, the sister was to be Estelle Douglas, as intense in its way as her admiration for Marjorie had been her dislike for Estelle. Perhaps this feeling had deepened instead of decreased since the marriage. Yet, after all, she had borne the disappointment better than at one time she had supposed she could, because she had become absorbed in other interests. Ever since a well-remembered day when she had sought Marjorie and poured out before her some of her ambitions, Hannah might almost have been said to live for Jack Taylor's sake. It was Marjorie who told her of him, and actually asked her to try to help him. Following very soon upon her first timid efforts came the discovery which has power to thrill, namely, that she really had influence over a human being, that there was somebody who looked up to her, who was willing, to a degree at least, to be led by her, and who responded gratefully to her efforts to help him this opened to the hungry-hearted young woman a new world she put herself between jack taylor and the hundred temptations which beset his path she gave up most of her evenings to work that had to do with him she begged and pleaded with him to resist the evil spirit that seemed always at his elbow she went with him more than once to places that in themselves had no interest for her but because they interested him and because by being with him she could shield him from temptation, she had unhesitatingly sacrificed herself. She had, in fact, done everything for him that a guardian angel in human form could do. On the evening in question, as the poor girl closed her door and dropped in weariness and bitterness into the one comfortable chair which the dreary little room contained, and clasped her hands in almost an agony of disappointment, that bitterest of all questions came and stood beside her seeking answer of what use was all her effort what had she accomplished 
she had never before so fully realized the force for evil which was pressing upon jack taylor temptations coming daily to him from the very class of people that ought to have been his strength from men like her brother ralph for instance because this matter of smoking was without question a temptation to jack taylor whatever it might be to others yet he could not meet even her christian brother on the street without coming in contact with this temptation nay it was worse than that her very pastor his pastor as she had tried to have jack consider him brought the same power for evil to bear upon him how could a man like jack be expected to make anything but a failure with such fearful odds against him man indeed it was folly to call him that he was a mere boy with not so much strength of will as had many a boy of seventeen but the bitterest drop in hannah bramlett's cup was undoubtedly the discovery that she was the subject of gossiping tongues it was all very well for her to tell her mother that she did not care what people thought the simple truth was that no one cared more about it than did she the bramlets had been poor all their lives for generations back indeed but they had been eminently respectable none of them more entirely so than hannah unconsciously she had prided herself upon this fact she was not handsome she could not lay claim to genius or even talent in any special direction but she bore with honor and dignity an honored name no breath from the outside world had ever blown upon her in disapproval or ever could so it had seemed to her entrenched as she was behind generations of propriety and yet behold gossiping tongues had dared to play with her name to what extent she was not quite sure if the truth be told she believed that a very large portion of the tale that had been indignantly told to her had had its birth in the imagination of her brother's wife but some foundation she must have had of course and this thought rankled struck deep indeed in hannah bramlett's heart was it possible that it was such a mean wicked world that a woman like herself who had lived so many years of blameless life could not show kindness to and patience with a misguided boy like jack taylor in order to try to save him without becoming the victim of cruel tongues it was characteristic of hannah bramlett's character that although she had cried bitterly in secret over the story when it first came to her through the channel of estelle's indignation she had not for a single moment thought of throwing off jack taylor or of changing in any way her efforts to save him people must talk if they would it was only the low and coarse who did so and her brother's wife must lower herself to listen to such talk if she would but she hannah would move steadily forward in the work that she had undertaken jack taylor was to be saved to the world and to god and she was to be in a degree at least the instrument used to this end should any gossiping tongues deprive her of such a joy as that not for a second did she hesitate but the sacrifice was no less bitter she had told jack taylor that night that she would never give him up and she meant it yet as she presently slipped down on her knees to pour out her disappointment and pain to the one who alone seemed able to understand her there came at first only a burst of passionate tears 
but it is blessed to remember that the maker of hearts understands the language of tears jack taylor left to himself went with long strides toward the uninviting quarters that he called home there was in his heart a curious sense of defeat he actually felt almost indignant at hannah bramlett why couldn't she let him alone what was the use in tugging with him any longer she was injuring herself by it as he had told her though the poor fellow had not the least idea to what extent he only knew that a certain class of people nudged elbows as he passed with her and sometimes indulged in chuckles that were loud enough for his ears to catch occasionally they asked him with sly winks how his best girl was it all seemed supremely silly to him but he had an instinctive feeling that hannah would dislike it very much and felt a chivalrous desire to keep her from knowing anything about it when he heard mrs bramlett's voice that night calling to her daughter it represented to him a certain other class of people who were saying that hannah was demeaning herself by having anything to do with him i suppose she is said the poor fellow to himself dolefully i'm not worth doing anything with and i told her so i wish with all my soul that she would let me alone but she won't she ain't of that kind she is going to have me a good true man she says my land she don't know what kind of a job she has undertaken jack taylor get to be a good true man ten minutes walk brought him to main street as he turned the corner he came upon a former comrade of his joe barry by name hello jack said that worthy good-naturedly been seeing your best girl home it must be an awful bore to have to travel so far out with her every night you will be glad when you get settled in a livelier place won't you you hold up on that will you said jack a trifle fiercely i'm not in the notion for anything of the kind to-night oh now old fellow don't be cross what if you have got up in the world so high that you can claim the bramlets as your particular friends that's no reason why you should look down on old acquaintances i thought better of you than that i didn't mean any disrespect you know why man i'm ready to dance at your wedding whenever you say the word jack taylor was as hannah had called him nothing but a boy the idea of there being supposed to be a wedding in prospect for him and of his being allied with the bramlett family struck him as irresistibly ludicrous and he laughed outright that's you said joe treat a fellow half way though you have got up in the world i'm looking forward to that wedding i tell you with a good deal of interest i used to train in the higher circles myself and it will seem nice to get counted in once more you won't slight an old friend like me of course why i'm ready to drink to your prospects any minute though i don't know as she will allow that she keeps you pretty straight don't she but jack's fun had already subsided look here he said in his gravest tone i don't want any more such talk as that you don't mean a word you say of course but some things won't bear making fun of because miss bramlett has taken a notion to try to help a worthless chap like me is no reason why she should be insulted never thought of such a thing i tell you said joe still in utmost good nature 
it is a streak of tip-top luck on your part and i'm glad it has come to you the bramlets are no great things so far as money goes but they are awful on respectability there's my lord bramlet in the distillery you know if you take his notion of it he is the biggest toad there is in any of the puddles around hang me if i'd like him for a brother-in-law though shut up said jack fiercely i told you i didn't want any more chaffing of that kind if there wasn't anything else in the way you might remember that you are talking about a woman who is almost old enough to be my mother but the thing is ridiculous in every way and there never was any such notion about it of course honor bright well now really i didn't know old girls like that are queer sometimes they've lost most of their chances you know and there's never any telling what does she hang around you so for if there isn't anything in it she wants to make a man of me said jack a good true man then he laughed there was bitterness in the laugh he had no heart for laughter in truth no human being knew how near jack taylor was to the verge that night joe barry laughed uproariously that's the dodge is it he said next thing she'll be getting you converted that's the way they do it the very next thing i expect to hear of you jack is that you have been down on your knees somewhere making all kinds of promises i hope you'll keep em i've made a good many myself in my day and kept some of em for a week or two i say jack let's go into old tawny's here and have a drink to treat what may be no said jack i won't go into old tawny's what's the use of making it harder for me by asking the old girl won't let you eh well that is hard suppose we go in and have a smoke then that isn't wicked you know my lord bramlett puffs cigars all the time he was only good-natured and rollicking he had no conception of the harm that he might do he had not even an idea of the awful burning thirst which seemed to be consuming jack that night much less did he know of the drawing power for evil that the mere smell of tobacco had over the poor fellow jack listening to the evil spirit that had been at his elbow all day said within himself what's the use i told her it would come some time i gave her fair warning if i go into old tawny's to-night i shall drink i know i shall why not to-night as well as any time poor tempted jack End of chapter six